0: And so these are all, to me, elements of agency. You know, I've recently kind of fallen in love with that word because to me, it's having the opportunity to pursue the things you want to pursue. You might not get the outcomes you want, right? Like there's no guaranteeing the outcome, but there's guaranteeing the opportunity to chase something down.
1: Hey friend, it's David Nabinski here in Brooklyn. Here at Portfolio Career Podcast, we help you take ownership of your portfolio career and design the life that you want to live. This episode is with Shri Priya Mahesh. Shri Priya is the founding partner at Spiro Ventures, an early stage venture capital firm. I really wanted to talk to Shri Priya because of her broad range of excellence in many different fields. Um, she has been a blogger and creator on the internet for over 10 years, a filmmaker, Uh, was an early product manager at eBay, just to name a few. In this episode, you will learn how to think about your career in terms of uh, as a product, uh, using a lens of product management, uh, the benefits of working on hard things, why the barriers for connection are low in a good way, and what Sri Priya has learned from being on the internet and building relationships over long periods of time. As always, this episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There, you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which has the best insights from the podcast and friend-sourced opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Shri Priya. All right, uh, Shri Priya, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks, David. Thanks for having me.
1: So I got to, you know, I've been podcasting since 2018, but You were blogging since 2006, somewhere around there. I think the 15-year anniversary is coming up in September. (laughs) Congrats. And tell us a little bit about how you got started and why you kept going.
0: So technically, my online history started earlier than that. I bought Shupria.com, I think, in 1995 or 1996. Um, and I had this, like, hey, this is like an about me kind of page. I'm like, hi, this is who I am. And this is what I do. And I had learned to scuba dive. And I had this animated GIF of the scuba diver, which I thought was like the coolest thing. Um, and I've always been kind of like, um, you know, a tech nerd. And I started blogging actually in 2003 but i used blogger and back then they had this private version which you could only share with your friends and so uh, i did that for three years very inconsistently and then 2006 i'm like ah screw it like i just gotta do it I let's make it public and i launched it on my you know on my url and oh my god just the most cringy cringy stuff like i had no idea what i wanted to talk about like no clue what i was doing And uh, it's out there. It's still out there, like random, very random stuff. And honestly, till almost 2020, I was just a very want to be blogger. You know, I posted, you know, maybe once every couple of months. Sometimes I didn't post for six months. But you know, I I was friends with and a great admirer, of Fred Wilson, just in terms of his dedication, right? And his wife, Joanne, like they just posted every day. And I'm like, this is insane. I always wanted to grow up and be like that, but I never could do it. Um, And then in January of 2020, or late 2019, I was just a bit sick of myself. I was like, this is ridiculous. This is part of my job. I just have to do it. And I was like, okay, I'm doing it. And I just made a I posted my first post, and I'm like, I'm gonna post every week, and I just announced it publicly. And even though no one was ever gonna hold me to that, I was like, I said that, and so I must. And so I got through most of 2020 posting every week. Um, You know, there's some good ones and some mediocre ones, but um, I got pretty exhausted with that schedule because you know I was also trying to find a partner. You know, managing the firm, it was a lot, and so I moved to once every other week. And then really from the start of this year, I've been blogging every month. Um, and I think about it as a way to just um, think through things. You know, Often it's like, I'll have an idea, talk to an entrepreneur either in our portfolio or outside and I'll be like, oh, that's really interesting. And none of the posts are necessarily like done. You know, They're just, here's where I am with this thought and I post it out there as a, as a forcing function to have a conversation. And as a way to just be like, hey, this is what I'm thinking about. You know, this is what matters. This is what I'm thinking about. As you know, you know, one of my interests is film and photography. So I make sure I post a photograph as well. It's a forcing function as a way to get me out there and to see the world through, through the camera lens, which I really enjoy. Um, you know, so that's where I am right now. Even now, the key for me is to never think about anyone reading it. Because then I can never post it. Because I'm like, oh, my God. Like, this can't be out there. Because I ha- I went through periods where I have a lot of drafts, but nothing was pushed out. Because I'd write it, and I'm like, this is awesome. And then I'd read it the next day, and I'm like, this sucks. And so, you know, like, the, the constant, like, draft was, I was like, I'm just writing it, and it's out there, and it's done, and I don't look back, and I just keep going forward. So that's where I am right now with it. Um, so, yeah.
1: And the, um, so has there been, like posting on the internet and being, you know, having your site and stuff has throughout the, you know, the, the years and stuff, has it opened up new opportunities? Obviously you have a little bit of a different focus on it now, but, um, has it opened up opportunities along the way or, um, you know, as your career has kind of evolved?
0: You know, in the early days, um, of, when I was blogging, you know, there were all these things like blog rolls, and you know, you'd be on people's things, and other people would mention you, and so I definitely met people through that, you know, especially in the early days, and uh, connected with people. And I think more recently, it's really been more Twitter, right? Like you make connections through Twitter, but um, sharing ideas and sharing longer posts from my blog onto Twitter is like what I do because at some level. Um, You can participate in conversations, but wanting reactions or wanting to engage with others, if there's more to it that they can go look up, I think that's useful. Um, I think it's been particularly useful with entrepreneurs, you know, because each of us has a very particular way we think about the world. And over time, hopefully your personality and how you approach people and problems will reveal itself if you're doing it regularly. And um, you know, I want to be who I am, and I want entrepreneurs to to know what you know what they're engaging with. And so, I found it most useful for that.
1: Okay, um, we were talking a little bit about you've had a very uh, prolific uh, career in many different areas, um, and so I think it's you know as hence the the name of the podcast, you know, portfolio career. You know, your your portfolio already just getting started, but it really spans. You know excellence in, in many different fields. Um, you talked about photography. Maybe just to provide a little bit of context for people before we get into maybe the venture capital um, and product side. Uh, talk a little bit about your creative pursuits and and why, you know, we're interested in film and, and what how creative outlets helped you during certain parts of your journey.
0: Sure. Um, so I grew up in India, and both my parents were. R, um, were an our super creative, and one of the things that I, I went to a very progressive school when I was growing up, and in fourth grade, we had an art professor who taught, like, a bunch of students photography, and I was like, this is amazing, I, like, literally fell in love with it, and from that moment, I wanted to be a photographer, and, you know, I, as I mentioned, I grew up in India, my parents were like, that is a great hobby, Oh my god it would be so amazing for you to have photography as a hobby and i'm like "Uh uh-huh okay got it and so it was always in the back of my mind that expressing myself visually was something i wanted to do um but it was very clear to me that i had to have a more traditional first career um and i got very lucky in that i loved tech um even when i was in india um, you know, I learned to code thanks to my dad. You know, I was on CompuServe. I know this sounds ancient, but um, you know, I, I loved that. And then when I when I got into tech in '99, it was I I loved everything about it. I loved the industry back then. The way the focus of it was just like we are in this vast field and it's endless opportunity. Um, and it wasn't as much about the money as it is today. You know, it was more about like this is you know changing the world and i loved that and you know so photography and um, film just took a back seat even though it was always it was always in my life it took a back seat when i when i was at ebay in 2005 i had been there for 5 years and i wanted to take a sabbatical and i said oh you know i should try i should think about pursuing photography and film and as I did that, I realized that photography was a very solo journey. You know, it's you and your camera and you're finding uh, images that speak to you. And having been in product, I loved the collabor- collaborative nature of creating. And so I ended up trying um, a 12-week film school intensive at NRU. And it was like, I'm like, oh, my God, I love it. It's like the, you know, the visual version of product management. <laughs> so... You know, so it was like the same thing in a completely different sphere and so you know i ended up i always thought think of like my life or you know or my career as an adventure um with more about regret minimization minimization and i was like i have wanted to do this for so long for decades that if i don't give it a shot i will really regret it and it had high high opportunity cost because i was leaving tech in 2008 right right when some of the most iconic companies that we have today were forming and I saw them all being formed and I was like yeah no I'm going off to do this fun school thing um, but I and it was a great experience it was a great experience uh, it was more intense than eBay um, it was longer hours I had 18 month old twins and so um, it was uh, a phenomenal journey and when I was done with school film school I realized wait it's gonna take me seven years to make a film and I grew up in tech where seven years is like you know longer than most people stay at companies right and um, I missed the speed of tech I missed uh, I missed tech I missed the people and so I was like okay I'm gonna see what I can do going back to tech and and maybe I'll continue making films maybe I'll write on the side DVD what that looks like so that's how I ended up. Back in tech, uh, helping Pierre uh, launch First Look Media, which he was just noodling on at the time, and then eventually to venture.
1: Um, and the um, have you ever thought about this idea of how to be how to apply a product manager type of role uh, a lens towards somebody's career? Is it is it possible to you know apply some principles, um, and if so? Could we maybe unpack that a little bit?
0: <laughs> you know, I did not apply it to my own career, uh, I will say. Um, I more approached it as, um, you know, what, what do I want to do and what would be a lot of fun and very challenging. That's how I just approached it. One of the things, uh, when I was at eBay, uh, I, I had an assigned mentor who was Maynard Webb, who was our president at the time. And he, you know, he went on to be the chairman of Yahoo and he's on the board of like Visa and he has his own very successful venture firm. But one of the things he always told me was when you have options in front of you, first, you're lucky to have options. But when you have options in front of you, choose the hardest option, because if you choose the hardest option, a couple of things happen. One, you know, you're going to be very engaged. And two, If it's truly hard from the perspective of it hasn't been done before, you are going to be one of the few people in the world who's helped solve that, you know, who's created something or solved a problem or done something really hard. And um, I've always kind of followed his advice since then because it made sense to me, right? If you're afraid of something and it feels really difficult and you're like, I can't find another person who's done that or, you know, there's only a handful of people who've tried that path and I don't know if it's going to be successful and it's a little bit nerve wracking, but I think it'll be fun. It's worth trying. So that's how I've approached my career. But if you think about careers in general and product management, you're both the creator and the consumer of your product, right? Because um, with products, you're often like, what does the customer want? you know, or what do I think the customer wants if you're Steve Jobs? Um, But if you think about it that way, but in this case, you're like, what do I want? And then you're like going to go off and create it. And I don't know that that works so well (laughs) when you're playing both sides of the game. Um, But I think the key is, can you be honest about what it is that you want uh, in life and what is success and what is happiness, right? And we are in a, we're probably in like the most noisy time of the world in the sense that everyone will tell you what you should do or what the right thing is or what the norm is and right now it's like you should be living in miami right for example um and um it's really important to hear your voice your own voice and what it is that and it's we are like i said you know we're in a moment in time where that is almost impossible like what is your voice what do you really want And are you okay with defining what you want in a way that feels overachieving, underachieving to what is culturally accepted? And, um, you know, I think some of the most amazing artists are able to do that, right? But they do it by not being on Twitter, not constantly hearing other people's voices. I I looked up recently, um, so there were five Oscar nominated films, uh, best director nominations, and two of them, um, maybe even three of them. So Chloe Zhao and Chaka King were both at NYU when I was there. They were both class of t- 2010. I don't think either of them has a presence. Neither of them are on Twitter. And Lee Isaac Chung, who directed Minari, is also not on Twitter. And so you look at that and you're like, they are listening to their voice in however they manage to do it, wherever they choose to live. And when you're in the technology world, you know, we're so convinced that being on Twitter is important for our, or, you know, choose whatever platform it is that you want, right? Um, It's so important for our brand building and access and all of those things that we're on it all the time. And I'm just, it's hard to hear yourself and hard to form your own point of view on what matters.
1: Yeah. But to, so there's the, but I heard you say, talk about choosing the hard path. And so that can be around sounds like you're saying is learning and solving problems um, and whatever, I guess, skills and resources and stuff that you have, but also this idea around trusting yourself and listening to your own voice. Um, and then the <laughs> the part around you're the creator and the consumer of <laughs> your career choices uh, from a product perspective is fascinating. Hmm. Is there what other ways do product managers tend to look at choices or tend to look at opportunities or tend to look at, um, yeah, other frameworks or how, how, how else when you worked at eBay, how else did you think about?
0: Yeah. I mean, it was a long time ago. Right. But like, it's trade-offs, you know, like what are the, what are the trade-offs? It's the prioritization. Right. Um, and it's, um, it's, you know, where does it land in terms of business impact? You know, there's, there's customer happiness and there's business impact. So for a moment, if we just take those three, right, it's like, what are the trade-offs? What doors do you close and what doors do you open when you make a certain career choice? And in your career, nothing is, uh, a door is not completely shut. You can always come back, Right like i could came back to tech but it's hard to do i mean it's not like it's it's easy because tech there's a huge recency bias it's like oh you know have you worked at facebook and you know twitter and whatever else is like the most recent and no you know ebay was a long time ago even if it was six years ago right so there's a recency bias both in terms of what are hot companies and therefore what is. What brand do you carry with you? As well as networks, right? Because networks are like, people keep coming into tech and the size of the, the network is bigger and bigger. And so if you haven't worked with a group of recent people it's like, oh, do you have more recent networks or not? So that's those are some of the trade-offs you're making when you are making career choices, right? Like what doors am I shutting in? What doors am I opening with? these things the second one is prioritization right like when you think about when we have a long list of business goals we want to achieve which one is most important which one can be second which one can be third and we'll eventually get to it but we have a very constrained um, we have a set of constraints which is engineering and in your career your constraint is your time and your attention right that's your engineering resource you're engineering yourself and your time and your resources and your focus so what we are not able to get to all of our things like in in you know at um at any company you're like priority one priority two priority three like they are reflecting your okrs in our life you know we might never get to priority three right so the question is if it's all from a work perspective right like will i ever get there and am i okay with it being where it is um I don't even remember what I said. The third thing was, oh, your business goals, right? Like, what do you want to achieve? What's your personal and your professional ambitions? You know, because I think we are, again, in a world that's so noisy where the norm is being defined for us. But your norm may be different. Maybe, um, you know, I have a friend, Kay. I don't know if you know Kay. He, he runs Rad Reads. Um, and, you know, he quit as a managing director of BlackRock because he was like, I am really unhappy and what I want to do is surf every day. That is, my, that is my number one goal. So he moved to LA from New York City and he surfs every day. And on the side, uh, not on the side, but his work is rad reads and it gives him the flexibility to be able to run it um, that way. Now, he talks about how hard it is to step off the treadmill, if you will, and and not, be, and not evaluate himself the way traditional people are evaluated—people who have traditional lives—now I think gay will become more of the norm, and you know, people like gay will make that path easier for more people. But you know, he's he's been very thoughtful about defining what's success for me. You know, do I show up for the people I love? That's one of his key key definitions of success and what any, what gives me joy. He thinks a lot about those kinds of things, which when you're in a job or when you're in the tech industry, that's like, go, go, go. What's my brand? What's my Twitter follower account? It's harder to do.
1: And, and so um, that path of being created and opening up is that that's around solopreneurship and maybe even the firm is professional or more kind of an independent path. Is that kind of how you're, how you kind of see things with the companies yeah. that you're investing in, in the markets and stuff that you see, Shri Priya.
0: So the way I think about it, you know, if I start at the highest level, you know, like each of us are full and complex human beings, and each of us should be able to prioritize our lives the way we want, and this includes many things. From the employee perspective, you know, includes things like. Where do we want to live? What do we want our relationship with work to be? So how much time do we want to work? Do we want to think about it when we're not quote unquote on? Do we want to be on call or, or the opposite? Um, do I want colleagues? Do I want, what kinds of colleagues do I want? With whom do I want to work? What problems do I want to work on? You know, So from the employee perspective, there's just so many angles that we define. Uh, do we want access to global opportunities? You know, because it's easy for us to think about it in the US where we have great broadband and access to people, but like really should everyone have that same access, right? And then from the employer perspective, it's can I hire the best people? How do I define best? Um, You know, what kind of organization and culture do I want? Um, Based on that organization and culture, can I have that effectively in-person, remote, hybrid, And then as we think about, you know, what employers and employees want, and sometimes you are your own employer, it's, you know, do we have the tools to support this? Um, You know, everything from connection to collaboration, to evaluation, to having fun and bonding, how do we form relationships? Do we form them through work? Do we form them outside of work? Do we form them through Twitter, you know? what replaces the going to a bar and having a drink on a thursday night when you're when you feel you're done with the week um and so these are all to me elements of agency you know i've recently kind of fallen in love with that word because to me it's having the opportunity to pursue the things you want to pursue you might not get the outcomes you want right like there's no guaranteeing the outcome but there's guaranteeing the opportunity to chase something down um, and so it's just so many layers of complexity when you think about like work and agency and i think k what k has chosen is one one path um, the solopreneur where he's building a business and he's no longer solo right like he has contractors who he works with um, and how does that look and everything all the way to like working for a really large global entity like and I think how can any one individual have the agency to pick where on that spectrum they want to be, and all of the things that comes from that choice?
1: And these this around agency and choices in this time period, um, how what type of kind of like one-on-one conversations or what's coming up mostly in your one-on-one conversations when people are solving, you know having issues? Is it around? leaving jobs is it raising money is it moving what are you what have you been hearing recently and kind of those hey can we have some time to chat I really want to talk about this or um, yeah any other common themes from like those you don't have to say the names and stuff but just yeah. those like one-on-one conversations
0: you know because I'm now in venture most of the one-on-one conversations are about fundraising when it's people I don't know um, it's it's a bit unidimensional, right? Because a lot of it is about fundraising and it's like, hey, here's my company. Here's what I'm trying to figure out and how much money do I need and where am I based? The other kind of conversation I have is people who want to become product people. You know, um, how should I think about product management? And now a smaller and smaller sliver is how do I get into film school? Uh, and how should I think about it? Uh, and that has really shrunk as my film footprint has shrunk accordingly. But those are the kinds of conversations I have. And, you know, it's interesting, like recently, I would say like a year and a half ago, I had a lot of conversations with people in very large, in in the large tech companies, who wanted to go off and be at startups, or be in venture, or, you know, one of those things. And as I dug in with them, like in two of those situations, I was like, it seems like you have a really great situation where you are, you know, like you paid really well, you've established yourself, you have a ton of flexibility, you can work on whatever you want. Can you tell me why you want to leave? Because leaving is not always the answer. Sometimes seems like the easiest answer. And the best answer might be to have conversations and create what you want inside that large organization. And two of those people stayed at very large organizations and created roles that seemed more fulfilling to them so you know when i when I have career conversations often with people I don't know at all, it's that lens of like what are you really trying to achieve, and what's the best way to do it and it's always easier to do it for someone else right versus to do it for yourself it's you everyone's always smart when they're giving other people advice because it's so obvious, but then when you look at it your, for yourself, it's like so not obvious so
1: but you need you need sometimes it's yeah you you need somebody to hold up the mirror to you just to say yeah have you thought about this or it sounds like you're thinking about this what you know and or in your and maybe this well if, if you knew that you had more agency to this situation what could that look like um and yeah. it sounds like knowing that you could potentially improve your role on whatever you're doing or improve your projects improve kind of the existing things as opposed to noisy stuff that's out there and the unknowns. Yeah.
0: You know, I think when you're, when you're in an organization, whether big or small, if you're exceptional at what you do, you have way more agency than you think. Right. Because you, if people are like, wow, this person has such a big impact on our organization. And you go to the, you say, Hey, I really want, I need this other element in order to be happier or to be fulfilled or for the next three years of my development, whatever it is. And and not talking in terms of a promotion. Every single person wants a promotion, okay? So let's put that aside for a second. But in terms of content or interaction or location, if you are exceptional in what you do, you will get that. And that was almost my biggest learning working in in large companies. One of the things um, when I started at eBay, Jeff Jordan, who who basically is the managing partner at Andreessen Horowitz right now, said to me, he said, the execs here, right? Like the C-level people here know the details of how things work. So learn all the details, you know, like database structure and everything. And it takes work to do that. But once you learn that and you are able to know how things work and come up with solutions in meetings versus always having to say, I don't know, I'll find out. Once you prove that, hey, you can think about this problem in a unique way because you know all the levers and all the details, you get just levels of agency that you wouldn't otherwise have. Um, and, you know, I always think that's a cool way to, cool way to work.
1: Totally. Love that. Um, is there a, I have this like concept a little bit around like people are kind of one email away from a new job or new podcast episode or um new you know important relationship um has there been any examples of like one random cold email or one random email that kind of changed uh some of your trajectory
0: um i'm trying to think i would say i've definitely been in situations where a random inbound to me connected me with someone that i ended up working with or that i ended up helping in some way um i don't send that many random inbounds but i've definitely i've sent random dms to people right and been like and then i'm i've ended up either co-investing with them or becoming a friend Um, that has certainly happened right and so i think uh the most recent one is one where i was twitter friends with someone for several years because we had a mutual twitter friend and this person reached out because of film and tech and just mutual interests. And we stayed in touch maybe for 10 years. And as we were looking for a hire at Sparrow Ventures, I actually was like, wait a second, what about this person? And I just reached out to him and I said, hey, really random, but we have this role. And based on what I know of you, this might be really interesting. And we ended up hiring him. And, you know, it's one of those things where I actually feel like the barriers for connection have dropped significantly, right, where we are having a conversation and, you know, we don't know each other at all. But now we do. And it's great. Um, And, you know, over time, like little bits of information will get exchanged, you know, like, oh, that where we each live, you know, do we have families? Do we have pets? And it'll be like little dribs and drabs that get spread out over months or years. And eventually we'll have not a full picture, but enough of a picture where we sort of know each other, you know? And I think that's just amazing. I think it's amazing that we live in that world. And I always feel like shared interests and shared personality types exist all over the world. And now we can access those people, right? And form these connections where it's like, you know, I have this really cool friend who happens to live. I actually have a cool friend who happens to live in Hong Kong who I've never met in my entire life. It was through blogging in the 2000s and then Twitter. And, you know, I know that you know she's married now and she was single when we met. We both were. And, you know, she lives in Hong Kong and she's a bio researcher. Like we have nothing in common besides we have now known each other for 15 years. And, and we respond to each other, right? Like those are the kinds of relationships that feel light that then um, become something. I remember in 2000 and I wanna say 2008, 2009, there was a, a film blog that was starting in India. And through that, I just met directors and want to be directors and other people who I can now message if I'm in Bombay or somewhere else and have a relationship with, you know, one cold outreach. Oh, that I made, actually, this is, this is a really valuable one. Um, there's a director who I really admire called Dave Benegal. He's made three or four films. They've all premiered at like Berlin or Tribeca uh, or, or, you know, he's, and we got, I don't remember when we got connected. It was probably when his film premiered at Tribeca and I was in New York. And we either exchanged Twitter messages or email messages And then we started chatting and we have met multiple times and we make or write a script together. Um, And, you know, he's a total like tech nerd do, you know, like we'd be like, Oh my God, did you see the Apple announcement? And are you getting this or that, you know, and before, before this low barrier existed, I would never have been able to become friends with him. And we had no, you know, I think the key with it is, is it transactional or is it, You know, if you meet somebody that you vibe with, is it more than transactional? And I think the transactional ones are, you know, take it or leave it. But if you can have deep, meaningful connections through these kinds of interactions, I think those are really
1: worth their weight in gold. I love that; their weight in gold, amazing. All right, Shrey Priya, is there anything else that you think that we missed? And While you're thinking about that, um, I also do want to let people know that uh, your company's name stands for hope. Uh, That's really cool. So uh, it's in Latin, right?
0: Yeah, it's Latin. Sparrow stands for hope. Um, And it's interesting that the background backstory of that, I'll try to make it really quick, is Omidiar, Omid means hope. And so Omidiar either means the man from hope or the man of hope. Um, which I just thought was mind-blowingly cool when I worked there. And uh, so I looked for hope in all the other languages. And I came across this phrase, which says in Latin, which says, as I breathe, I hope, uh, which really resonated with me, right? Because what do you have if you don't have hope, right? Like you have to hope for hopeful for. and hope is not a strategy. I get all of those things, but like, we all care about a more hopeful future, right? We all hope for better things. And, um, you know, we think about mission driven founders as building that future. And, um, yeah, so Sparrow, uh, and Sparrow is available shockingly. <laughs> so. <laughs>
1: and, and so, um, so it's available and that's the best place at, at SparrowVC.com?
0: Sparrow.vc. Okay. Yeah.
1: Any other ways? Uh, and then your...
0: My Twitter DMs are open. And so, you know, I'm not always great uh, at being instantly responsive. As our portfolio grows, I try to prioritize being instantly responsive to our existing portfolio, um, but I will eventually get to it, um, you know, a few days, sometimes a couple of weeks, but Yeah. So email and Twitter DM are the best, no LinkedIn messages, because that is an overwhelming flood that I will never get to. <laughs>
1: there's, there's no hope with that. Um, sounds good. <laughs> thank you so much.
0: Thank you, David. Thanks for reaching out and really enjoy the conversation.
1: Hey, friend. thank you for tuning in to this special episode of Portfolio Career Podcast would love to hear what you learned and what you enjoyed. Um, You can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever is best for you. And as a reminder, I'm just one email away as well. This episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which includes the best insights from the podcast and friend-sourced opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Thank you so much.